Thanks, Sarah. Well read. I'm not sure if you got a shock when that was read this afternoon. It's a different book, Song of Songs, isn't it? Uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, today is the first day of three weeks in this book, Song of Songs. Uh, and as the title suggests, uh, it's a song. A song that apparently was sung and uh, performed at celebrations. But you noticed as it was read, it's not just the song of songs, the greatest song you might say, which is a big enough claim, isn't it? Uh, But also the love song of love songs. Uh, And historically, the church hasn't done very well with this book of the Bible. In the Middle Ages, allegorical uh, or symbolic readings of Scripture were all the rage. An example of this in Song of Songs, chapter 1, from where Sarah read verse 13, the woman says, My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. That was a bit much for the monks to deal with. Uh, So they interpreted it as the two breasts being the Old and New Testament (laughs) and the sachet of myrrh Christ uh, resting between. Probably not what the original author had in mind. Uh, And if you're someone who's been around churches for many years, you may have found yourself singing these words, my lover is mine and I am his, his banner over me is love. Has anyone sung these words? Yeah. Uh, Those words come straight from Song of Songs. Uh, I remember singing them when I was a kid. Uh, We were singing to Jesus. Uh, But in Song of Songs, what is on view is a couple getting intimate Uh, And the Bible does often use the intimate relationship between a a husband and a wife as an illustration of God's relationship with his people. We see that in Hosea, we see it in Ephesians, we see it in Revelation. It's throughout the scriptures. And so it makes sense that that we might extend the Song of Songs, uh, reading it not so much as a love song between a man and a woman, but between God and his people. There's some appropriateness to that, but the Song of Songs, in the book there's no explicit reference to this being an illustration of God's relationship with the church. And so instead, really, what is on view is a celebration of marriage, the most intimate of human relationships. That's what it's focused on. Song of Songs is wisdom literature, Uh, which means it's concerned with the day-to-day living of life, getting practical, living in harmony with what is real, you might say. Uh, And you and I, we might shy away from talking about sex and relationships. Our, Our broader culture certainly doesn't, and the Bible doesn't either. So with Song of Songs, we have a beautifully positive picture of marriage. And it comes to us in this collection of of poems that doesn't necessarily have a beginning and an end like a narrative would, but it's united in theme and character. It's difficult to tell how many voices there are in the book. Our Bibles sort of help us, but, but even then there's some argument as to who's actually speaking. But it seems to be three. There's the beloved, the woman who speaks the most. Uh, which makes sense, at least from my experience. Uh, There's the lover, the man, and there's the friends who look on at this relationship. 
Uh, and that you'll notice at the start, the book, it's connected to King Solomon. But it's not clear if it was written by him, about him, or for him. And it seems most likely that what we have is a critique on how he thought marriage should be done. Uh, you might recall his 700 wives and 300 concubines that we read about in 1 Kings. That's far from the positive picture of marriage that the Song of Songs paints. And I reckon, look, given the reality of loveless marriages, uh, the reality of divorce and, and loneliness, singleness, domestic violence, adultery, and so many other things, uh, looking at a book like Song of Songs can, can bring up some difficulties. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But how about we just pause and pray? Let's pray. Our great God, we want to thank you for this strange book that is in the Bible, uh, a book that when read, obviously, we're sort of changing gears. Uh, we pray that you would use it uh, in the lives of each one of us, whether we be married, single, divorced, uh, widowed, uh, a widower, whatever our circumstance Lord, we thank you that you speak and we pray uh, that you would be here with us this afternoon. Amen. A friend of mine, Simon, uh, he planned to pop the question months in advance. Fancy dinner, limo for transport, he even bought her, her a, a new dress for the occasion and everything was planned out just perfectly. The, the restaurant was booked, it was all ready to go. But like a, a good boyfriend, a couple of weeks before he was going to propose, he drove his girlfriend to Sydney, they were living in Canberra, to, to Sydney for a dance competition. Uh, he was excited about the, the prospect of marrying the girl of his, his dreams and he couldn't wait any longer. The great proposal was planned, but instead of waiting, halfway through the trip from Canberra to Sydney at a truck stop while eating McDonald's, he popped the question. She said yes. Simon's uh, passion for his future wife led him to make all of those plans, uh, but his passion for her meant that he just couldn't wait any longer to pop the question. I, I like to think that I did a fair bit of planning when it came to proposing to Jen. And I first thought that uh, send her, we're in Sydney, send her out uh, for a day of uh, being pampered with some friends and then we'd go out to dinner together. Uh, but I thought, that's just, that's not me. Uh, so we were camping uh, with my brother's family. And you should know this is in southern New South Wales, which is arguably the most beautiful part of Australia. <laughs> a little town called Tarthra. You should visit. Anyway. Uh, my plan was to walk along a, a beach before the sun came up with Jen and to the north. We'd climb over some rocks and get to another beach. No footprints or anything like this on the beach. And the sun would rise and I would pop the question and we, we would go uh, swimming in the glassy ocean. Uh, the plan was good, but I didn't check the weather forecast. Uh, the sun did never rise. Uh, we sat waiting and waiting and it didn't ever come up. It was quite a dark and drab day. Uh, but I couldn't wait any longer. 
uh, I proposed anyway, and Jen said yes. It doesn't always happen the way in the romantic novels and the movies, does it? Uh, Jen and I have been married for just over 11 years now, uh, and it's been wonderful. But marriage is hard, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it must be. You just look at the stats. Uh, In Australia, one in three Christian marriages don't work out. Uh, And for so many, marriage goes wrong. Uh, But it doesn't usually start out that way. We won't break up. That couple must have thought standing up there on their wedding day. We won't be one of those statistics. Uh, We'll love each other till the end in, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. We'll not just have a good marriage, but we'll have the model marriage. It's not just divorce, though. There are loveless marriages. uh, And for some, marriage uh, perhaps is more like a job description than a relationship. Uh, Some might think, well, we don't have any spark anymore, but at least we're still together uh, for the kids, you know. Uh, And we live in this world that has a thoroughly different perspective on uh, the Bible, sex, and relationships. Uh, It's a little uh, like choose your own adventure. Uh, Do do whatever feels best, uh, but that hardly helps either. So what what should marriage really look like? Uh, What should characterise this, the most intimate of human relationships? And you know the Bible has so much to say about marriage. But as we look at Song of Songs, I want us just to observe three things. And the first today, marriage, the most intimate of human relationships, is passionate. Let me just read from verse 2 to 4 of that chapter 1. This is the woman speaking. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. This sounds like a really impressive bloke, doesn't it? Now, I don't know about you men who are married, but if my wife was to speak to me like this, other than feeling embarrassed, uh, I'd feel really built up. This guy is the man. Uh, In reality, though, he might be a scrawny little thing. Uh, He may have an unimpressive job. He may even be bullied in his workplace. But he knows when he's at home in the eyes of his wife, He's a king. This man's woman, she uses her words to leave him in absolutely no doubt. He is her man and she is impressed with him. In chapter 5, verse 9, the friends, they ask, how is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? And she has so much to say. Listen to this, chapter 5, verse 10. My lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. Verse 16, uh, 14 to 16. His arms are rods of gold set with chrysolite. His body is like polished ivory decorated with sapphires. 
his legs, they're pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth, sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. We may not understand all of the metaphors. Uh, Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, But the message is clear, isn't it? Uh, When women uh, get together uh, and the conversation turns to the husbands, uh, what is the talk? I mean, I'm just guessing. Uh, I'm glad that's obvious. Uh, My husband's uh, always got the man flu. He's soft. Uh, My husband's lazy. Uh, He's always flicking through the Facebook feed. My, my husband's always working. He, he never knows what's going on with the kids and he, and he doesn't ever make time to spend with me, my husband's. Uh, the, the woman here in Song of Songs, when she talks about her man, not only does she tell him how wonderful he is, but she makes sure that everyone else knows how wonderful she thinks He is too. This is a woman who is seriously passionate about her man. And while Song of Songs, it might uh, seem overtly romantic and even unrealistic, over the top, at times uh, Song of Songs, we see it is really bedded in reality. Take a look, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, if your Bible's there. This is the woman speaking to her man. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. You notice that the woman, she's using the vineyard to describe an actual vineyard and also her body. She's been abused by her brothers in forced labour and she's self-conscious about the way that she looks. We have an ancient account of a woman struggling with body image, and I'm sure many can identify. It doesn't slow the man down, though. You notice as it continues on, chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, I liken my darling to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. I think that's a really impressive metaphor. Uh, Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. And verse 15, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. In chapter 4, verse 7, he says, all beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. The man doesn't seem to, to see the flaws in this woman's body that she sees. To him, this woman, his woman is perfect. For him, she is beauty itself. It's a seriously passionate relationship. Both use their words to express their love. Uh, Throughout history, Christians have struggled with this. Many Christians have grown up being taught that this kind of passion... It's wrong. 
Uh, a child might be told, sex is bad, just don't do it. It's just a way of avoiding the conversation really, isn't it? Uh, I know of a, a young couple who felt passionately attracted to each other. They decided to get married, but they couldn't help feeling that their desire to be together both physically and emotionally was somehow wrong. They'd been taught, whether explicitly or just through lack of teaching, that it's sinful to be passionately attracted to each other. It's not what the Bible says. In fact, to have this view is to have a warped view of God. God cares about sex. He made it. It was no accident that he made it pleasurable. See, Song of Songs, it's all for passion, and it's always been this way. We, um, we had Jacob and Eliza's wedding on Friday. A number of you were able to go to that. And one of the Bible readings uh, was Genesis 2, where uh, God uh, creates Eve, and Adam can't believe his eyes. He just breaks into poetry. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Marriage, not a job description, but the most intimate of human relationships. Passion is not ungodly, but a, but a sign of a healthy marriage. And it is true, isn't it, that most marriages start out with at least some passion. But too often, passion can turn into pressures. The, the once romantic anticipation can, can turn into apathy. The novelty of being together can turn into not tonight. I wonder if you're a married person, how are you fostering passion in your marriage? You've written your husband or wife a letter just outlining for them how much they mean to you. You spend time alone away from the kids if they're on the scene still. They're just enjoying each other uh, with the lights off and the candles on. You pursue friendship with each other. You eat together. You hang out together. You waste time together. You do life together. You read the Bible and pray together. You talk about your hopes and dreams together. You share your anxieties and deepest insecurities together. Do you know what he or she will really appreciate? It's different for different people, isn't it? I remember someone saying, blokes, you don't have to understand women, we can't. But you do have to understand one woman if you're married. Marriage, the most intimate of human relationships, it is passionate. Now, I've only been married for 11 years, so what do I know? Uh, and not much, I'll tell you that for free. Uh, thankfully, though, I hope you're not interested in what I know, but what the Bible says and it just so happens that we have this book plonked in the Bible, a book of poetry. It's difficult to understand. The, the metaphors are so strange. 
Apparently, uh, to the original reader, this was quite erotic. Uh, One of the things that Song of Songs is clearly saying, marriage is to be passionate. And of course, we'd say, yeah, uh, but sooner or later, the honeymoon period wears off. The passion dies down. Um, I was really surprised. I was preaching a sermon a bit like this one in Canberra years ago. And after the service, an older lady in her mid-80s quietly came over to me. And she said that uh, she and her husband have a passionate marriage. And she made sure that I knew she was talking about sex. Uh, That conversation felt a bit awkward. But it's interesting because I know that couple. I knew that couple. He's since passed away. Uh, I knew them really well. And their passion for each other was just really clear. Their affection for each other bore witness to that. So there's your anecdotal evidence. Passion long-term is possible. Uh, But we might wonder how. Because there's so many things that get in the way, isn't there? I, uh, we get used to each other. Familiarity breeds contempt. The, the novelty wears off. The kids get in the way. And then when the kids get out of the way, you've forgotten how to relate and enjoy each other. Uh, and then there's health difficulties that can cause problems. And the, the pressures of, of work and perhaps most of all just our own selfishness. Uh, Despite all of this, given the Song of Songs, for those of us who are married, we cannot walk away thinking, I don't need to pursue a passionate marriage. God cares about marriages. It was his idea. And that means that there is hope, even when our marriages seem hopeless. Sometimes we limit the gospel to our sins being forgiven, don't we? Of course, that's, that's crucial. God saves us through Jesus' sacrificial uh, death. But the gospel is to impact every aspect of our lives. There is no spiritual, physical divide. There's no God part of my life and then the rest of my life. God shapes all of my life. That means the hope that we have for a passionate marriage is to be found in the gospel. How does that work out? Well, as we're transformed uh, by the Holy Spirit, trusting in Jesus, it will impact our marriages. It must. It must. We forgive as God first forgave us. Uh, So I can forgive Jen uh, when she gets it wrong. And also, more commonly, I can ask for forgiveness from Jen, knowing I get it wrong. The gospel, it transforms our thinking, doesn't it? We're to have a higher view of marriage than those around us, for it's a a gift from God. He designed it. He cares about it. And Song of Songs is a great example of that.
Now, this means if you're single and you don't want to be, God cares and you can ask him for help, for help to honour him in the way that you think and feel about singleness as well as marriage. It means if you're struggling through the reality of a divorce, God cares and you can ask him for help. It means if passion is lacking, the excitement has worn off, God cares, and you can ask him for help. At this side of Jesus' return, our marriages won't always look great. But because of the gospel, there is always hope. And as we struggle within our marriages, as we struggle with wanting to be married, as we struggle with the grief of, of loss of that loved one who we've spent so many years with, we keep our eyes on the greatest relationship of all. The relationship that that marriage does merely only illustrate. Of course, our relationship with Jesus that will transform our marriages and all other relationships too. Song of Songs paints this beautiful picture of marriage And one thing that it is, is passionate. Why don't we just pray about that? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the poetry. We thank you for the wild metaphors. We thank you that you did build people as sexual beings. And Lord, we're conscious that this is an area where there can be a lot of hurt, an area where we've made mistakes and an area where we've been hurt by others. Lord, we pray for healing where it's needed. We pray, Lord, for your perspective where it's needed. And we pray that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as we reflect on the wonderful and greatest relationship that we have with you through him, that this would transform not just part of our lives, but every single aspect of us, including our marriages. And we pray, Lord, that the passion that our married couples have would be clear and that those healthy relationships would speak of you, would speak of Jesus who transforms us day by day until he returns. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us be a people who live in harmony with what is real. And as we struggle with singleness and divorce and the loss of loved ones and the mess of our own sin and a lack of passion, would you shape and challenge, provide and protect us for your glory? And we pray in Jesus' great name. Amen.